Good morning. Good morning. You all awake? Mobile phones turned off. No sending messages. Because the Bible's on the mobile phones now. I look at people and I think, I wonder if they're looking at the Bible or sending messages to somebody. So I'll keep an eye on you. Okay, have you got Bibles with you? <laughs> mobile phones? If you turn to John chapter 17, now this month, I, this is a twisty one. This, this month is a month on Jesus. So I'm told by Pastor Ram and Di, they said this is a Jesus month. So we're going to be talking about Jesus. John chapter 17 is probably one of the most beautiful chapters in the Bible because it's actually the record of Jesus praying to his Father. And it's a majestic piece of scripture. And so if you're not familiar with it, when you get home, read it through so you're aware of the words that we're going to be sharing. I want you to start with me in reading from verse 9 through to verse 24. Now I like to read scripture because I think it's good for us to have the scriptures not only to see but to register them as we read them. So it's John chapter 17 beginning to read at verse 9 and this is how it reads. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I'll remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I'm coming to you, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. And while I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that you may have the full measure of my joy within them. I've given them your word and the world has hated them. For they're not of the world any more than I am not of the world. This is Jesus praying, remember. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They're not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I've sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself so that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. So that's talking about us down the eons of time, the ones that will believe that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so the world may believe that you've sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know you sent me. <clears throat> now this is Jesus. I want you to capture what's happening here. This is Jesus praying to his father and the men that are with him are aware of the fact that he's praying to his father 
and the words are captured by the writer here and he shares them with us. So we're in the secret place of a relationship between father and son, the son speaking to the father, recognising what he's going to achieve on the earth. Now Jesus spent most of the last hours before the cross thinking of others. He served his disciples, even washing their feet. He gave them wonderful teachings and his heart was just encouraging them so that he could prepare them for the shock of his arrest and his subsequent trial and his crucifixion. He's trying to get them ready, prepared for the things that were ahead of them. So today, we're looking at Christ leading his disciples into this presence of God and offering this earthly prayer while they were listening so that they would become aware of the heartbeat of Jesus Christ towards us, towards the men around him, and towards the centuries of time as Christian people would come to know Jesus in the days. So we would call this chapter, John 17, the real Lord's Prayer. Now we say, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we say that's the Lord's Prayer. But actually that's the prayer Jesus taught the disciples to pray. This is his real prayer. Now I don't say the other one is not a real prayer, but he's, he gave that one to us so that we could pray, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Bring us into that relationship of God. So here, this particular passage is really the holiest of holies, where Jesus, the great high priest, takes his disciples into close relationship with him and says, now listen to what I pray, because it's so important you hear the words that I speak here on this occasion. Now, he prays in this first section, really, for his disciples alone. And I'll tell you the reason for that in just a moment because he wanted these men that had been prepared to leave their fishing nets and to leave their customs desks and follow him through the streets of time and listen to his words. He wanted them to know that they were a very special group of people. They'd been chosen by Jesus Christ to follow him, just as we are, but these men were specially chosen in the moment of his time on earth to become part with him in the bringing up of the church of Jesus Christ. You understand? So here he is praying. So on his way to Gethsemane, please understand, he's on his way to Gethsemane. He continued to warn and encourage his disciples. Then just before they left Jerusalem, possibly the experts suggest at the eastern gate in the temple area, Jesus stopped and he prayed for them. And this prayer is powerful in its penetration. It's firstly a prayer of preservation. Have you heard people come to you and say, I'm praying for you? Or they say, we will commit to pray for you. And I hope you're praying for Bram and Di and Carvin and the team that are over there in Indonesia now and praying for them daily because they need the support of your prayer. And people come up to you and say, I'm praying for you. And you think, oh, that's good. But you don't know really whether they are. But I want to tell you something. When God says, 
He is committed to pray for you. Jesus is the great intercessor, the Bible says. He ever lives, the Bible says, to make intercession for the saints. So I want to tell you, there's somebody utterly and absolutely reliable praying for you. And his name is Jesus. And he knows you by name because he said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. They hear my voice. So he knows your name, he knows who you are, he knows what you do, he knows everything about you and he's praying for you. Now isn't that a pretty good thing? To think that I know without any doubt when God commits himself to intercede on my behalf that he's doing that, that Jesus is talking the Father on my behalf. Philip, you're standing up today and you're speaking today because of my intercession for you. The power of my word in your heart is there because I'm upholding you in prayer. And that's when Jesus said, when I go away, I will send the Holy Spirit who will do the very same thing. He will take of the things of mine and show them to you. So here we are in the 21st century, Holy Spirit inspired people because of that wonderful person, Jesus, who's praying for us right now, a preservation prayer. Now listen to what he prays. He prays very specifically about us. And he says this, I'm not praying for the world, but for those you've given me. For they are yours. All I have is yours and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. Isn't that an amazing statement? Glory has come to me through them. In other words, these men and women that have chosen to follow me have brought glory to me as a result of their willingness to follow me in the purposes of God. Now, I think about that. He wanted them to be blessed. He wanted them to share his glory. So he prayed for them, and the petition of his prayer was specifically at the start to these men. He's letting them know, hey, guys, you're here today because I've been praying for you. I've been reaching out to God and asking for the preserving power of the Lord to uphold you. Do you know every day... We should always be conscious of the fact that we're being upheld by God. Because in in this world that uh, is so evil, you can't even watch the news without feeling tainted by what's going on. Murders, rapes, deaths, fires, floods, all sorts of things are happening. And it'd be so easy for us to come under the burden of what's going on. But somebody is praying for you. A preserving prayer. The Lord is saying, I'm watching over you with watchful care. My care for you is so very important. You know, you watch mothers and and grandmothers like we saw today with Bernadette picking up her her little granddaughter. Isn't it amazing the way there's such a marvellous link between a mother and a grandmother and a little child? There's a, a wonderful watchful care. Do you know I read in the paper not many months ago that most accidents happen to children when the father's looking after them? That was in the paper statistically. You know why? Because men are more blasé about it all. Mothers have got this care. This, it's burning within their hearts because of who they are. And the Bible says about Jesus, 
He cares for us. He cares for us. And we're not, we're not just talking about a care that is, oh, I care for you, but a watchful care that says, I'm watching you, I'm caring for you, I'm making sure that the path you take is led by me. And if you follow him, the Bible says, you're not going to get into too much trouble following the Lord Jesus. Is that correct? So there's a watchful concern for us. Holiness, remember, is at the very centre of God's character and nature, and he wants us. That's why he calls to the Father and he says, Holy Father, Holy Father, keep through your own name these men that you've entrusted to my care. Now, I want you to notice something. The word keep in the scriptures and in the Greek is not merely protection, but it's talking about the watchful concern of a teacher or a guide. It's an educative care. So Jesus is saying this, Oh, Lord, I want these men to be so close to me that they will share my divine nature. There'll be men and women that will go out into the streets of time and people will be affected by who they are. They might not even have to say anything, but because I'm there and the glory of the Lord is shining through my face, there'll be people that will be touched by the very fact that I'm a servant of Jesus. I was so thrilled, I don't know, I think it was the Archbishop of Sydney was being interviewed by the uh, men during the process of the of the, what, what's the name of the, the, the same-sex marriage thing. <clears throat> and they said to him, what do you think about this? The archbishop said, well, he said, I want to tell you, first of all, I'm a follower of Jesus. And he says, Jesus said, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> and he went on to quote the words of Scripture about what Jesus said. <clears throat> and I, started, I thought it was wonderful. He's a follower of Jesus. I want to tell you, I am a follower of Jesus. I walk in his footsteps because he he told us to follow in the footsteps of the Lord Jesus. So that means there's something so special. So what God does through Jesus Christ, in two ways, Jesus keeps us. Now, this word means preserve, watch over, keep carefully. That's what word he's saying. So he says... Lord, keep, keep them. Now, the first thing he keeps us from is from ourselves. Don't look at me like that with angel eyes. Our worst enemy is ourself. If we don't conquer the enemy of self, we'll never make really good saints of God. We've got to learn the art of the discipline of conquering self and bringing self under the control of the Lord Jesus so that day by day we're walking in the spirit and not fulfilling the lusts of the flesh. So Jesus said, I'm going to keep you from their own willful fleshly nature within you. I'm going to keep you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to give you power within you to break the powers of the enemy that surrounds you. Isn't that delightful? You can say amen, you know. Say hallelujah. <clears throat> oh, come on. I think they're not awake yet, Tony. So he also guards us not only from our willful fleshly nature, but he guards us from the realm of Satan. That is the, the satanic world around us. And listen, there's a tremendous 
awareness that we need to keep that we're not fighting against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world. We're, against, we're up against forces that are spiritual forces. So we need to keep sensitively spiritual day by day so that we may know the overwhelming power of Jesus within us. So anytime you're being attacked by the enemy, say, hey, I'm being kept by the power of God. I'm being kept. There's a wonderful keeper surrounding me and his name is Jesus and he has broken the powers of sin, death and hell and trampled on them. Blessed be his name. Now, if I was a bit younger, I would have jumped up and down then. But my legs don't carry me as well now as they used to. I think I told you last time when I've been down now, I've got to think, what else can I do when I'm down there so I, so I can use the time effectively? Your legs get... Yeah, I won't go any further. Some people, my wife said, it's all right for you, you skinny people. <laughs> but then he says, note, note there's a scriptural statement here that's, that's quite amazing. He says, the glory has come to me through them and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction. So he's talking about Judas here. Judas, the man that betrayed him. The actual word study indicates that by Judas's own repeated choices, he doomed himself to destruction. It wasn't that Jesus couldn't have kept him. It wasn't that Jesus couldn't have preserved him from that. It was his own character that drove him to do what he did. So listen very carefully with you what I'm about to say. Keep and being kept is not independent of our own wills. Our will has to be locked into the will of God. We have to be prepared to say, I walk in your will by choice, Lord. By choice, the will of my heart has got to be locked into God. And will is the driving force of our lives. And so our will, locked into the will of God, is a protective power. So when Jesus says he's keeping us, it's not independent of our wills. Our wills have to be locked into his. That says, yes, Lord, I'm going to follow what you want me to do. So this preserving power of Christ over us is a power that is obviously working with and through us while our eyes are focused on him. So when he says about Judas, he was lost that the scripture might be fulfilled. Now, please understand something. God foresaw the fate of Judas, but he didn't fix it. Judas made the decision himself. Do you understand? So when we talk about the foreknowledge of God, we understand God knows everything. He knows what you're going to do. But he does not use his foreknowledge as a basis of judgment upon us. We have to make decisions. And then out of those decisions comes the decisions of God. Is that understood? I'm not being too complicated. <clears throat> okay. Heads are moving this way and that way, so I don't know which way. But anyway. So God predestines no one to evil. 
He allows us. God, God, Jesus did not come to judge the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And then he goes on and he says, oh, that they might be filled with joy. And I love this. He says, I am still in the world that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. Listen carefully, will you? The Bible joy is not a superficial happiness. It's not. Bible joy, listen, is a deep-seated inner tranquility of spirit that is locked into the will of God. And it doesn't matter what's happening, it's independent of natural circumstances. It's not bound by natural circumstances. Please, listen to me. The joy of the Lord, the Bible says, is our strength. And it says about Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. So it can't be some superficial happiness we're talking about when it says the joy that was set before him. In other words, what Jesus what the word is saying about Jesus is this. It was such a joy for him to fulfill the will of God, even though it cost him his life. It was still joy. Over the joy that you understand what I'm saying? So when we talk about Bible joy, we're not talking about some superficial happiness that we, we feel happy about here and there. It is a deep-seated thing that is locked into all the things that happen to us in life and we stand above them because the joy of the Lord is our strength. You got that? <clears throat> Capture it because it's so important for you to understand God is working in our lives. So then it says, it goes on, talking about our... So Jesus' first prayer is a prayer of preservation. His next prayer is a prayer of sanctification. He, what does he say there in verse 14? He says, I've given them your word and the world has hated them. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the world. Verse 17, sanctify them by the truth. Now don't get frightened of the word sanctified. It just simply means set apart. <clears throat> Set apart. So when he says sanctify them through the truth, he's saying set them apart. Make them be distinctive in the purpose. The Bible is a primary meaning of separation from and dedication to. So when you're talking about sanctification, you're saying separate from the sinful world, separated from sin, but dedicated to the will of God and dedicated to the purposes and behavioural patterns of the purposes of God. So we're dement- we, are, we are dedicated to God's glorious will. No matter what it means, no matter where it takes us, no matter what's involved, we're prepared to say, I'm going where you want me to go, dear Lord. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say. So it's a sanctifying power within our lives. So he under he underscores this because it's so important for us to know that the Father said, I don't want to take them out of the world. I want to leave them in the world, but I want to protect them in the world because I want them to become a particular influence in the world. The Lord's not going to take us out of this. You know, we often pray, oh, Lord, let me out of this. And the Lord says, excuse me, but I'm putting you through it. (coughs) Wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for me. I'm taking you through because I want to put some iron in your, in your spirit. I want to put some courage in your heart. 
It, it takes courage to be a Christian. Do you hear me? It takes courage to be a Christian. You've got to be prepared to stand up against all in our world today. For instance, our, our media, our universities, our governments are all almost left wing in a sense that they've drifted so far from God. And God's saying, I want you to stand up. Stand up. I feel like saying to them, so I'm watching the telly, would all the Christians please stand up? The real ones, the ones that love God with all their heart, love Jesus, stand up. Be counted. Let's let the world know. And that's what Jesus told me. He said, I don't want them taken out of the world. I want them to be light. He said, I'm the light of the world. But he says, you are the lights of the world. Using a little, little different phrase. I'm the light of the world, but you are reflectors of me. You are lights in the world. And then he says, you're salt. Salt. <clears throat> That's uh, savoring the earth. Those who go off into the desert and spend their lives in uh, prayer and meditation, they're not helping God at all. They need to get out into the real world and start touching community with the glory, it's truth of the gospel of Jesus that changes people's lives. Say amen to that. Oh, that was a bit. Got a better one that time, Tony. Go on here, Tony. So here he's saying, I not only want to preserve them, but I want them sanctified. I want them dedicated to me and my purposes and plans. What is the guiding and determining factor in our separation? And it is the word of God. This is the book that gives us all the patterns of life and behavior that we need to know. And they're all there. Everything you need to know about yourself and about the behaviors you're supposed to have, they're all in the book. They're all there. So go back to the book. Always get your life directions from the Bible. Let God teach you what he wants to teach you. And the Bible says when the Spirit is come, he's going to teach you all things. Going to take of the things of Jesus and show them to you. That's a big fan up there, isn't it? I looked up and I thought, Thought it was a mirage for a minute, <clears throat> but it's a fan. <clears throat> Isn't that fantastic to have one of, one of those? So here, Jesus comes and he wants to do something very special with his men. He says, I don't want them to have theoretical holiness. I want them to have real, active holiness. Now, holiness is not in what you don't do. It's in who you are and what you do do. You hear me? Not in what you don't do, it's in what you are and what you do do. So Jesus is saying, I want to sanctify them, Lord, and bring them into a holy place. So it's more than theoretical, it's a practical thing. So when Jesus prayed, he said, that they may be one as we are one. And often think about that, Jesus, if I'd have been standing there with him, I would have thought, how in the world can that be saying, I want these men to be one just as you and I are, Father, one. But you know, there's something very, very beautiful and powerful about the fact that when we're brought into relationship with God, he puts his own spirit within us. 
so we know that we are the children of God. We know it because he's put his own DNA. The DNA of God is when we're born again, we are literally born of a godly seed, the seed of God. Just as the child that birthed in Mary's womb was the seed of God, and that baby, that's why the angel said, this holy thing that shall be born of you shall be called the Son of God. When you are born again, that's literally what happens. A seed of God is planted in you, and you are new. You are completely new, new creatures, because you now have a new DNA. That's exciting, isn't it? The DNA of God. And God is just wanting to establish, Jesus wanting to establish in their heart, Lord, give them that oneness with one another and with me as I have with you. These are Jesus' words. He's saying, oh, bring them into a spiritual unity that is so powerful. And now I think perhaps the world has never, ever really seen the church that's been totally in unity. And I'm I'm praying the Lord bring the church into unity, the unity of faith. doesn't mean we'll all have the same ideas. That is never likely to happen. But a unity of spirit and a unity of purpose that says we're here for the purposes of God to change the shape of this world, to change the world around us to start with, but to change the world everywhere so that God's word may, so that Trinity are in purpose and will with us to work, to promote the work of the church on the earth to see Jesus. Do you know, if the world didn't have the church, it would be a worse place, a desperate place to be living in. Now, we are, even though not, not powerful in many senses, If the church wasn't here, there'd be no savour, there'd be no light, there'd be no salt. What a world it would be. But thank God the church is still here. And by the way, we're a winning church. We're a victorious church. We're on our way towards that wonderful day when that wonderful Jesus will come back. He said, the Bible says, this same Jesus that you have seen go up into heaven will come in the same manner that you see him go. And I often think when I see all the things that are happening in the world, I think one of these wonderful days, the heavens are going to blaze open and the Son of Man shall come again. I believe in the second coming of Jesus Christ. He's coming again. And this Jesus that was talking to them on this occasion, he said, oh, Lord, that they, Father, they may be one even as we are one. So there's a prayer of preservation a prayer of sanctification, and then finally a prayer of glorification. In verse 22, he says this, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I want you to glorify them, Father, he says. My prayer is not for them, I pray for all those who will believe on me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I in you, May they also be in us that the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me. I have given them the glory you gave me. And the Bible says about us, we are changed 
2 Corinthians 3.18, from glory to glory, even as by the Lord the Spirit. So glory, the glory of God, the glow, the pure beautifulness of Jesus is in you. And he says, oh Lord, glorify them. Put your mighty hand upon them all. And I often pray in my own heart, oh Jesus, let this real reflection of Jesus in our lives show out to the world. I think I told you last time, but I want to repeat it just to establish it. There's, I was in China preaching in uh, one of the western cities. I can't remember its name at the moment. Anyway, I was there preaching. They had an interpreter there, a very, very good in Chinese interpreter. She was interpreting the English and she was flowing with me and excellent in her in her interpretation. And at the end I said to her, how did you get saved? And she said, well, she said, I was doing English major in a university in China. And he said, she said, there was this grey-haired man that used to walk around the campus. And she said, he was always smiling. And she said, I thought to myself, well, he's either cuckoo, you know, pencil sharpener, or... <clears throat> He's got something that I need. And so she said, I went up to him and I said, what is it about you? What is it? And he said, do you really want me to tell you? And she said, yes. So he told her about Jesus. He was a missionary teaching English in the university and he led her to the Lord on the university campus. Now, he's not supposed to do that as far as the Chinese. But out of that, she led all her family to Christ. She said totaling around about 30 people came to Jesus as a result of the testimony of that girl. Now that man wasn't up with his Bible out in the campus preaching the gospel. He was just walking around with a smile on his face. What was that? It was an attraction of Jesus. The glory of Jesus was settled on the man and she recognized that something about that man... Does anybody ever say that about you? There's something about you? Something about you that attracts me? No, I don't mean a sexual attraction. I'm talking about attraction deep within the spirit that says, ah, that person's got something that I need. And this is what Jesus is praying. He said, oh, glorify them, Lord. Put your glory on their lives so that wherever they go, whoever they touch... However they communicate, there'll be something coming out of their hearts that will change the lives of those around them. Is that the kind of heart you want? Is that the kind of face you want? Now, I know you can't do much about your own, but (laughs) we've got what we've got. But I tell you what, we can smile. You can smile when you can't say a word. And you can use your face to express something special to other people. There are people out there in life that just desperately need a smile. They need someone to touch them, someone to communicate the love of God. And so I say again with the real church of Jesus, please stand up. So when you're out there in life and out in society, remember you're a representative of King Jesus. You're representing him 
Wherever you work, wherever you go, wherever you play, wherever you teach, whatever you do, you are representing Jesus Christ. So stand up and be a good reflector of all that he is and reflect the beauty of Jesus in the community. So it's a prayer of preservation. What's the second one? Prayer of sanctification and a prayer of glorification. God wants his glory shining through us in community. I mean, let's just pray. Let's open our hearts to the Lord for a minute as we close now and ask the Lord to really touch our hearts and challenge our spirits, particularly about living the life Jesus wants us to live. And remember, not only is he providing you with power, but he's praying for you. He ever lives to make intercession for the saints. He's praying for you right now. Blessed be the Lord's name. Father, I just ask the communicating power of the Holy Spirit will reach out across this gathering now, Lord Jesus, and minister to people's hearts. Challenge them, Lord. Inspire them. Encourage them. Lift them into a position where wherever they go, whatever they do, they become people who are expressing the wonder of God's love, the beauty of his presence, the glory of his overshadowing over our lives. Let them feel that, Lord Jesus. Let them know that in Jesus' name. Blessed be your name. Amen. The Lord bless you. Thank you for having me here today. And I want you to keep praying for Brahman, Diane, Carvin and the team that are over there. And don't forget them. Remember them in your prayers. Over to you.